A reading from the book of Samuel. Now when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from the following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers. I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David the word of the Lord. Speak to God. Good morning. I'm Pastor Jerry. For those of you that haven't met me, I'm one of the assisting pastors here at um, Daniel Island Fellowship. And... Um, Occasionally, Paul uh, chooses to let me bring a, a good word to you, and that's what I get to do this morning. So thank you, Pastor, for uh, letting me do that. But before I start, let me just, just cover it in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for my brothers and sisters um, in this flock. And I pray, Father, that you would come here this morning and that um, your truth would be spoken and that you would be honored, and that I would set aside my good ideas for your kingdom ideas. And I trust you for that, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this is one of those mornings where, I, as I've prepared this message, I, I've had about 15 different ways of sharing uh, what I'm going to share with you. And, and one time this morning, I had this great idea. I said, well, I think I'm just going to throw my notes away, and I'm just going to talk to you from my heart. 
And um, I watched Paul's face cringed as I just said that. Uh, so I won't throw my notes away, but I do want to talk to you from my heart. Because I believe with every fiber of my, uh, my being that this is one of the more important scriptures in the Old Testament. Some of our Old Testament scholars would say that this is actually a pivotal piece of scripture. And I'm going to try to sort of illustrate that and help you understand um, just, just how to look at that so that you would be able to do that also. Um, we join the story. Uh, King David uh, uh, has kind of restored peace to Israel. And um, the country is enjoying prosperity. The enemies, the nations surrounding Israel have been subdued at, at this point. And here we join David in the palace. David is kind of a type A, high D kind of guy. He's very, very passionate. He loves the Lord with all of his heart. And he's sitting in the palace and all of a sudden, he comes up with this great idea. I think I'll build the Lord a palace, a tabernacle. And Nathan, who reminds me, at least at this point in the story, of one of my good friends from high school when I'd say, hey man, I think I'm gonna to go to the quarry and jump off of the high cliff. And then the guy said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And um, or, uh, I'm gonna go swim across the river or whatever. Well. As, as David, David shares this with Nathan, Nathan says, well, that sounds like a pretty good plan. But Nathan is a prophet. And the prophets are God's sort of voice or megaphone or pipeline to speak into his people. And as Nathan is sleeping that night, uh, the Lord comes to him in his sleep and he says, I want you to go to David and I want you to tell him, David, you are my servant, so listen to what I say. Why should you build a temple for me? I didn't live in a temple when I brought my people out of Egypt, and I don't live in one now. A tent has always been my home wherever I have gone with them. I chose leaders, and I told them to be like shepherds for my people Israel. But I did, did I ever say anything to even one of them about building a cedar temple for me? And then verse 8, this really important piece of scripture. Uh, uh, the Lord says, David, this is what I, the Lord all-powerful, say to you. I brought you in from the fields where you took care of the sheep. I made you the leader of my people. And wherever you went, I helped you and destroyed your enemies right in front of your own eyes. I have made you one of the most famous people in the world. Now, at this point in the scripture, uh, some of you that have sat under my teaching or, or my wife's Lana's teaching, you uh, hopefully are starting to recognize some of the covenant language that is embedded in the scripture. You know, God is saying, I have been with you from the beginning. I chose you. I made you a leader. 
Where you have gone, I have made you victorious. I have made you one of the vic um, most famous people in the world. Covenant language will always be embedded with the words, I, the Lord. The Lord is saying, I have done this. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And so in, 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 in covenant language, it is, I, I was sharing part of this with Lana this morning, and she reminded me correctly, covenant language is not just a contract that the Lord makes with us. It is an everlasting binding agreement that he makes with us, that he basically will take care of us and that we, he will love us as his people. Um, but now we go on into the scripture in verse 10 and it says, I have given my people Israel a land of their own where they can live in peace. And they won't have to tremble and fear anymore. And evil nations won't bother them as they did when I let judges rule my people. And I have kept your enemies from you. And here's the pivotal piece of the scripture. Now I promise you and your descendants will be kings. The key to this, Nathan the prophet is foretelling. He's speaking into the future of things that David can't uh, see at this moment about what the Lord is going to do. And, and that's the role of a prophet. And sometimes the prophet is really good news, uh, their news is really good news. Sometimes uh, the prophet's news is not so good in news because uh, God will speak through them and say, I'm going to judge this or I'm going to judge my people or whatever. But in this particular instance, this is really great news because what God is saying to David is I am going to, through your seed, build my kingdom in the future. Now, you have to kind of get your arms around the difference uh, between covenant language and what's just been introduced here. Because this here now is kingdom language. God is not talking uh, here about what he's done. He's talking about what he will do. And even as Trenton uh, uh, played one of the worship songs or, um, prior to me coming up, I saw it in the song. It's the, God said, uh, the verse said, I will establish. That's, that's heavy duty kingdom language. Um, the good news, though, that we see in the scripture is that God is not going to just do it through David and his son Solomon. Now, Solomon's going to build a temple, but uh, it's going to be greater than that. It's going to go on into generation after generation after generation. If you look at Matthew, you'll see the, the lineage uh, that actually Christ Jesus came from the seed of David. And Christ came with a very, very special message. He's saying, David, your seed 
will be partners with me in establishing my kingdom here on earth. We pray over the children this morning the Lord's Prayer. And, and it's easy just sort of to glance over that, but it, there towards the very end of that prayer it says, and your, Lord, we pray that your kingdom will come. What we're praying is, is Lord, what you have promised us, your kingdom will come here on earth. What your will in heaven will be the way we live as people here in the world. And it's incredible prayer. So if you think about covenant language, it always has to do about relationship. Our relationship with the Father and the Son and their relationship with us. When you think about kingdom language, it has to do with responsibility. It has to do with this coming kingdom where the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back. He is going to establish his kingdom. And the good news today is we're going to be part of it. We have a role to play in what God is going to do. There's a scripture in Matthew 16 that you need to kind of fast forward to uh, to put this into perspective because it's where Jesus Christ is essentially sharing what's going to happen with his disciples. They're in the town of Capernaum, which is up on the sort of north shore of the Sea of Galilee. They've been doing miracles. They've been healing people. Uh, they've been casting out demons. Jesus is, is continuing to pour into his disciples. And it's a very busy time. Uh, the crowds are growing. Uh, lots of people are coming. And in the midst of all this ministerial success, Jesus says to his disciples, hey, we're going on a road trip. And they said, what? Yep, I'm going to take you on a road trip. We're going up to Caesarea Philippi. That's about 30 some odd miles uh, from Capernaum. About four years ago, Lana, Lana and I have a good friend, uh, a pastor out in California, who is also a biblical archaeologist. And so we were over in Israel with him, and we were going to some of the uh, less well-known historical sites. So one day he says, we're going up to Caesarea Philippi. That was a Roman city. It um, had uh, all the wealth and all the ornate stuff that the Roman people um, could put on display. It had heavy, heavy Hellenistic influences on it. In other words, Greek influences on it, where they, they, were, they were messing around and they were worshiping lots of different gods, in particular in this area, the god of Pan. Now, interestingly enough, we got up there and um, he, after, we actually drove into Lebanon by mistake, um, and it was kind of a little bit scary because the Israelis have lots of armor up around that northern area in the Golan Heights. Uh, so at that point in time, I wasn't so sure about my tour guide. <laughs> but we came to the ruins of an old temple. It's still there today. 
The mosaic tiles that were in these ornate floors are still there today. Some of the columns have fallen down, but they're still... It was a heathen place. And yet, Jesus is taking his staff on a staff retreat to Caesarea Philippi. It would be sort of like Pastor Paul coming to our staff and saying, hey, I think we need a spiritual retreat, and I, we're all going to go to Las Vegas for three or four days. And you can imagine what our reaction would be to that. Um, maybe Lana would be going, yes, no. <laughs> um, um, the disciples looked at it and said, what's going on? Why would he take us up there? Well, he took them up there for this reason. He wanted to create a stark contrast between the world, the flesh, and what he was getting ready to do. Because he was going to bring his kingdom in, and it was going to be victorious over all the earthly things. And so, in verse 4, uh, actually verse 13 of um, Matthew, you've got to understand, the disciples, they're puzzled by why they're there. And Jesus asked them the question, what do people say about the Son of Man? Some, and they, they responded, some say that you are John the Baptist, or maybe Elijah, or Jeremiah, or some other prophet. And then Jesus asked them this key question, who do you say I am? You got to love Simon Peter, because he spoke up immediately and he said, Lord, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus told him, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed. You didn't discover this on your own. It was shown to you by my Father in heaven. So I will call you Peter, which means a rock. And on this rock, I will build my church, and death itself will not have any power over it. And in verse 19, this beautiful verse, he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. What, what, what Jesus is saying to Peter is, I am going to give you the most important thing about life. The most important thing that you could ever desire or want. Because I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And just like the thief on the cross, you are going to be with me and you're going to be an important part of what I intend to establish here on earth. Well, what does that mean to you and me? Of course, the first question is an important one. Who do you say God is? What does Jesus Christ mean to you? What, what difference does that make in your life? How do you want to live differently? Because that affects everything going forward. In particularly, it affects how you participate 
in this coming kingdom. How you join arms with Christ and you walk side by side with him in building an eternal, never-ending, everlasting kingdom here on earth. Jesus is saying, I have given you the keys. I am giving you access to what I am doing. And I will equip you to participate in what I'm about to do. And so we see back in the scripture in 2 Samuel what seems to be sort of two or three sort of simple statements that are earth-changing. Because the, the prophet Nathan has foretold now to David and all of his descendants and everyone in this room, you and me, my, our, our children, we have been grafted into this promise through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. We are part of this covenant promise to, today. We have not only been chosen, but we're going to be imprinted with the, the image of God that we might do His work. Not God doesn't just love us. He intends to use us. Our faith is meant to be a participatory faith. We are to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Our passion should be the passion of Jesus Christ. The things that we're concerned about should be the things that Jesus Christ is concerned about. We have been called to live great lives. We have been called to live in great purposes. We are being shaped and formed for great responsibility. My prayer today as uh, Trenton uh, comes forward is a really simple one. I, I just want you to know there's so much more to the story than us just living under the covenant love, love of God, that covenant promised us. Now, yes, that's, that's super important. It makes everything that follows possible. But we don't just live in the love of God. We are called to be the love of God, to be his people, to stand strong in adversity and bad times, to be the light that shines into the darkness in our community. And the time is now for his people to rise up. Let me close with this prayer. Father, you have included us in your plans for the coming kingdom. You have given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And right now, I believe that you are calling mankind and you are calling this church, Daniel Allen Fellowship, to step up. You are calling me, you're calling my brothers and sisters back to yourself. God, you have chosen us to be part of something, a part of all of this, even though we don't totally understand all that that means. We know you have given us the authority and the power to carry out what you've called us to do. Lord, 
please save us from the indifference and apathy that pervades our culture right now. Father, please save us from misguided busyness. Lead us, Lord. Guide and direct us so that we may live into what you want and not live into our own good ideas. May your will here on earth be the same as your will in heaven and in our hearts and in the lives that we live each and every day. Amen.